Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The catch is made by DJ Moore, still going across midfield, inside the 40, the 30. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast, here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. And welcome into a brand new edition of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast hosted by Myself, Desmond Johnson, and the Panthers' all-time leading rusher, Jonathan Stewart. Skylar Callahan is extremely busy uh, with the end of uh, college basketball going on. Of course, he reports for West Virginia Athletics, as well as uh, the beat writer for the Carolina Panthers and the Charlotte Hornets for Sports Illustrated. So uh, he may be in a little bit later on. Uh, Today's episode is a respond-react episode. Uh, We decided to wait until they got through the majority of these coaching hires, and it does appear that most of the main positions have been filled. Uh, We'll go through some of those hires, and we'll go through some of the audio from this past week. Uh, I do know Skyler had been at Bank of America Stadium all this week. The Panthers were doing pressers for all of their uh, new coaches. We've got audio from Deuce Staley. We've got audio from new offensive coordinator Thomas Brown, uh, senior assistant coach uh, Jim Caldwell, and then the man himself, Frank Wright. So we've got plenty to dig through here. Uh, we've missed you guys. I was thinking about this, too. We I've seen your face pretty much every Monday or Tuesday for like, four months yeah <laughs> it was weird it was weird not having a show at the beginning of the week it was like yeah i right. missed you too yeah yeah man <laughs> <Miss> you, <dog. laughs> so like and I, and the fans are pouring in here as well uh, i know uh that a lot of you guys are used to seeing us earlier on in the week um but we felt like it'd be better to let them go ahead and hire these guys and then we could look at them all as a group and then after that and then we can finally dig into the draft and some of this other stuff free agency things of that sort because now we know kind of what's going on and who we've got in position so we can kind of figure it out from there before we dig in any further though let's get a quick word in from our fellows over at believe uh, excuse me over at bet online bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season everything from nfl and bowl season to esports you'll always find the latest odds team matchup info player news and game trends at bet online bet online features live betting free contests and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable we're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your reward. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. And before I start digging into this audio uh, real quick, uh, Stu, give me your overall impression uh, as these uh, these hires started coming in. I'm going to go look for a graphic here where we can pull up all of them while you're talking about it. But give me your perception of... Uh, Frank Wright and Scott Fitterer and David Tepper and what they're doing with this, uh, this staff. Um, you know, I'm going to just go to a quote, um, you know, that Frank, Frank Wright had mentioned on Wednesday um, about his hiring of Evero or Evero. Um, the reason why we decided to go with it was because um, I was hiring the man, not the scheme. I was hiring the man. I was hiring the leader. That's what I was hiring. 
It wasn't a, it wasn't as much about the scheme. He could coach any scheme he wanted. He's going to be good at it. That was my take on that. Everything that has transpired over the last month, like as far as this whole coaching process, it just feels so authentic and like a breath of fresh air. Like we're hiring guys, not just based off of their abilities, but, you know, they're just good men. <laughs> I feel like we're just getting yeah, a group of solid men at the, in, within the organization. And at the end of the day, cards may fall where they may, but at least you got some good guys in the position that deserve it. And I think like I'm always rooting for the good guys, you know, and um, we got solid men in the building. And when you talk about, you know, being leaders of men, you, that's all you want for, um, you know, your sports team um, is to know that, you know, you got guys that are going to be in the community um, and giving their all on the, on the field. And I think we got some solid, solid guys in the coaching staff that's going to lead the way, Um, you know, and obviously, you know, guys that have humility um, that have been around the game for so long. I mean, the, the, the Super Bowl experiences alone on this coaching staff. I mean, I've said it before, if I'm a, um, a player, free agent, you know, or, or, or a Panther from last year, I'm praying at night that I get an opportunity to, to be a Carolina Panther next year. So that's, you know what, that's, that's an angle that we haven't even thought about yet in terms of uh, free agency guys wanting to come play here. Uh, Yeah. uh, You know, there's only, there's been pockets where we've had times where, um, where guys have wanted to come play here. Uh, Actually, probably most recently was probably 2015, 2015, 2016. uh, You know, a lot of guys like Roman Harper and peanut Tillman, these old veteran guys came in and really kind of took that, that roster. Allen. Jared Allen, yeah, yeah, and took it to a different place. And a lot of it was because they were respecting the coaching staff that was in place, the the, the things you guys were doing, and you were a team on the up and up uh, going from 2014 into 2015. Um, and I feel like they could do the same thing here. Uh, I, I went and pulled up the coaching staff as it stands right now. Of course, Frank Wright, head coach, 30 years of NFL experience as a player and a coach since 2006. He was, the, uh, of course, the initial first starting quarterback in Panthers history uh, during our first season in 95. Take a look at the offensive staff now. You got Thomas Brown, the offensive coordinator uh, that came over from the Rams. James Campen, who we retained, one of the best in the business on the offensive line. Uh, Parks Frazier comes over as a passing game coordinator. Sean Jefferson they hired last week to play uh, to be wide receivers coach. Um, Robert Kugler, assistant offensive line. John Lilly on tight ends. Josh McCown they hired. Uh, Stu, you mentioned him our last show. Uh, how good a friend you are with him uh, as a quarterback's coach, and Deuce Staley, assistant head coach and running backs. Defense, Ejero Evero now is the defensive coordinator, came over from Denver. Dom Capers, familiar face, the first uh, head coach in Panthers history, now senior defensive assistant. Jonathan Cooley on cornerbacks. D'Angelo Hall he hired last week. Uh, I was wondering uh, how Steve Smith felt about <laughs> the D'Angelo Hall hire there. Uh, 
pretty interesting when I saw that pop up. Like, oh, okay, assistant defensive back coach Peter Hansen at linebackers, and then you got Tim Lebo- uh, Lukabu at outside linebackers, Todd Wash at defensive line, and Burt Watts. Um, they don't even have a, a job for Burt. I don't know what Burt's doing, but uh, he's on the staff. Um, <laughs> Chris Tabor, uh, many considered probably maybe the best coach of special teams in the NFL right now, special teams coordinator, um, and then Jim Caldwell as a senior assistant, kind of helping oversee both offense and defense. I like how they have it structured where it's like you got Frank at the top and then you've got Dom Capers as a senior defensive assistant. You've got Jim Caldwell as a senior assistant. And then you've got two guys underneath them that are actual offense and defensive coordinators that, to be honest, uh, they may not be here very long. I mean, both of them, Evero uh, went for this head coaching position. Uh, You know, like he, he was a hot name, for that, the defensive coordinator, the offensive coordinator, Thomas Brown, same thing. He's not going to be here very long. These are guys in their mid-30s. And um, the Panthers, I love the fact just, – just look at the staff as I, as I scroll through it. This is probably the most diverse coaching staff in the NFL. Just looking through the faces here. Yeah, yeah experience. age, experience, I mean, you name it. Ethnicity, I think everything. Ethnicity. Yeah, by being able to connect and being able to connect with players in a way that the players will respond and respect the coaching um, and trust the, the coaching, like this is huge, man. Jim mm-hmm. Caldwell, he's by himself. Like I'm just like, hey, brother, hey, was nice to he, meet he, you. He came <laughs> in with two rings, two, two different teams. He's coming in like, here, like. I'm trying to soak up so much knowledge. I mean, not just even knowledge. Like if I'm just, I'm I'm just thinking to myself, I'm a I'm a running back. I'm in the hallway. I pass Jim Hallwell, Caldwell, and I have a question just overall about football. A football question in general. It might be a defensive question. Like, yo, Jim, um, got a question. Like, what's your take on like? you know, my zone read, you know, from the defensive side of the ball or even the offensive side of the ball, whatever it is, if I have some question about mm-hmm. reading a three technique on a zone or reading a five technique on a zone, like asking him what his thought process is because he's been around the game for so long, I'm going to be asking a lot of questions like that to the coaching staff because of the experience that is there. Like if I'm a player, like my – like appetite for learning and soaking up knowledge in this offseason is going to be at an all-time high. Plus, keep in mind, the Panthers might be top five in terms of youngest rosters in the league. I mean, they've been spending the past two years flipping this entire roster out. They cleared the whole defense out uh, two years ago. It's been mainly it's mainly dudes on rookie contracts. So you've got a lot of 24, 25, 26-year-old guys that, like you said, are going to have a Jim Caldwell walking down the hallway or are going to have a yeah. Dom Capers that's got, like, what, 80 years <laughs> of NFL experience? Sure. It feels yeah. like, like he's forgotten more football than I'll ever know, and he's going to be wandering around the halls uh, doing stuff. So we've got – I clipped some audio from these guys. Um, starting off, uh, all of this is courtesy of Carolina Panthers' uh, mm-hmm. YouTube channel. All this week they've basically trotted out Frank Wright, all the different assistants, and I wanted us to get a vibe of how they they sound. And, and and for me, collectively, they all were saying the right things in terms of why they were here. And all of it, basically, each one kind of led off that way with the, you know, what made you decide to come to Carolina? Because, again, a lot of these guys were up for 
uh, head coaching gigs uh, this this past cycle, and three of them are on the Panthers staff now. So it's uh, pretty crazy there. I'll start off with the head coach, Frank Wright, uh, discussing the new coaching staff um, and ask basically how they went about uh, putting this thing together. Three uh, coaches on your staff who interviewed for head coaching jobs, two of them interviewed for the same job you have. I was just curious, what was the discussion like when you were kind of recruiting them, maybe pre-process or pre-hire? Actually, no, really not any talk of that. I mean, it's, I think in this profession, we all understand the business that we're in and how the process goes. So, um, again, going back to hiring men of good character um, and how we approach it how, as a head coach, sure, you're in charge, but it's really a collaboration. So it's always about getting the best people into the fold. So we can get guys who are interviewing for head coaching jobs and get them on the staff. That's just a, a plus for us. How come it was so important for you to bring in guys with, with so much experience, a couple guys with head coaching experience? Um, you know, what was your thinking behind all that? Just a, a diversity of thought. You know, guys, guys that have, with that kind of experience have been in a bunch of different systems. They've been through the wars. They've been through the ups and downs. They've learned how to solve problems. They've learned how to work with players of all types, work through issues. It's a long season. Um, guys who know how to collaborate together. Um, work through issues as, as a staff, as a team, um, strong conviction, but no egos. Um, I think experience brings that. Sometimes I think that's a little undervalued. Sometimes I think it gets a little undervalued, but really happy to have great experience on the staff. We'll stop it right there. As we introduce the one and only Skylar Callahan in the house, uh, who was who basically lived at Bank of America Stadium this week as the Panthers trotted out all these assistants all week long. Um, you, uh, uh, Skylar, give us your your take. Well, I already asked Stu just the overall general view, looking down on on this uh, the staff that has been acquired. Now, uh, I label this episode the one with the Panthers avenging coach Avenger coaching staff because it feels like they've picked all these like these guys from like all across the area uh, to go fight Thanos or somebody like it, it, literally they've put together this like super team of coaches. And I've never, I was trying to remember another team that's done this before. And I can't really remember a team that's went out so aggressively and filled these positions with you could consider top five minds at each spot. Pretty much. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on this uh, Skylar? I mean, it was exactly kind of what I thought it was going to be, but I think, I, well, I guess I shouldn't say that because I, I was really impressed. Like when you sit down and listen to these guys, they're very intelligent, very cerebral. And it's like you have an expectation of what you're going to get or what you're going to hear going into these things. But you really don't know until you sit down in front of them and, and talk and, and listen to what they have to say. And I mean, the resume, it only says so much, but. Like I said, when you sit there and listen, it, it kind of expands on everything about that person and, and who they are as a coach. And whether it was Dom Capers, who's been around the game for almost 40 years, or, you know, Ajero Evero, who's, you know, just been – this would be a second year's defensive coordinator, or some of these guys that are getting their start, like a Josh McCown or a D'Angelo Hall. Like, there's – there's a very cons a fine consistency with every single one of those guys from the young guys to the old guys, they're high character and they're very intelligent. And I don't know that Frank Wright could have done a better job in finding the same qualities and traits in every single one of these coaches. And that's why I think this, this coaching staff is going to fit really well together. It's not because 
they have you know 30 years of experience here or 20 years of experience here it's because they all have kind of the same vision and they're so intelligent like i was blown away just listening to thomas brown and ajero evero talk like it was completely different from the last few years not that's no knock on on the coordinators of years past, but it's just to right. see you how do that over you, you can knock them if you need to. It's fine. I, I mean, I don't want to trash on my guy Ben or anything, but I mean, yeah, yeah Ben McAdoo's he's all right. He's a good guy. <laughs> it, it was just, it was really cool to kind of hear. You could hear some of that Sean McVay influence in Thomas Brown's voice and just kind of his thought process on how offense should be ran. And uh, it's going to be fun because I think once he gets the keys to the offense, we're going to see things open up a little bit even more because he's going to have more of that, that again, that Sean McVay influence where you're going to see a bunch of eye candy and stuff, and it's going to be really fun. I'll put this out in existence before it actually happens. I feel like Robert Woods, who just got released uh, from, was it Tennessee? I think he was at last? Or yep. Yep. he played for the Rams, did he not? Uh, keep an eye on him, maybe landing in Carolina as a third wide receiver uh, as we get into free agency and they start filling in these holes. Melvin um, Gordon, I think, did he not play – at Wisconsin while Thomas Brown was at Wisconsin? Hmm, I'd have to check that. Maybe. Um, that could be that, the third option at running see, and that, you know, And that's made me a little bit, well, a lot more in the corner of Frank Wright as we go further and further away from the day he was actually hired because as much as I love Steve Wilkes, and I'm so happy he's landed as a D.C. in San Francisco, that was like the best-case scenario for, for him to land in that position because that seems to be a stepping stone for D.C.s nowadays to get a head coaching job if you can do it in San Francisco uh, with their talent there. But it feels like – I can't say for sure, but I don't know if Steve Wilkes could have compiled the staff. Like, I don't know if he could have got the same guys to come in and, and, and do this. And you're kind of seeing what the Panthers brass was saying about how Frank Wright won them over by – in his interview, he came in with a game plan of what he wanted to do coaching staff wise. And I love the fact that the offense and defensive coordinators are in their mid thirties, but there's someone over top of them. That's got 40 plus years of experience that they can kind of go to. They don't work for them, but they're like the best possible advisors you can have, you know, with what you're trying to do. And I think too, in my opinion, there's four future head coaches on this coaching staff. Right. And then I got Azure Evero. Thomas Brown, Deuce Staley, and Josh McCown. That's insane. That's a lot of young, insane coaching talent. Yeah. Jeez. So, uh, <laughs> it's crazy. As a Panther fan, a lifetime Panther fan, it's crazy for me to even be having these thoughts of, like, 35-point games. and. I mean, this is the cool thing what about I mean? <laughs> having an owner that really wants to win badly because he will do anything it takes to make sure that happens. And like he has said times many times before – if there's no salary cap on coaching staffs, why why not, you know, put the big checks out there? And like Frank said before, it's like, it's not open checkbook by any means, but I mean, you can go outbid people, go outbid people. Yep. I mean, yeah, you're right. You can do that for coaching staffs, facilities, uh, and he mentioned all that stuff. Like you can you can kind of make your team you know better in the inches when it comes to like the, the where you're preparing, uh, where you're practicing. Who's coaching you? And you can do that with that money and not be campered by a salary cap. So, and then like me and Stewart were saying before you popped in, the coaches that they've acquired, now they've got so much connection around the league. Players are going to want to come here and play for them. So now you've opened up this big barrel of free agency where it's like guys are going to look at what's going on over here and go, hey, that looks like a really good situation. Like I want to go over there and play for them, play for Frank Wright. And it's like 
seven dudes on this coaching staff that can say, hey, I, I've coached that guy. I've coached that guy. I've coached that guy. Like, he'd be a good fit. So it, it's it's crazy. I, uh, I've i got uh, – we just heard from Frank Wright. I've got – let's go over to – uh deuce because i want to i want to get your opinion on deuce uh here Stu coming in as the uh, running backs coach he um basically discussed uh what led him to carolina as well and the grit of the uh of the of the team um hold on just because of course he was the running backs coach for detroit last year when detroit came in here on that day when it was like two degrees outside and we beat the brakes off of detroit so he got a chance to see Dante Foreman and Chuba Hubbard and our running back and our offensive line up close uh, in Charlotte. This was uh, Deuce talking about what he saw that day and the importance of uh, finding a good quarterback to, to lead the, the team. Knowing Frank the way you do, what is he looking for in a quarterback since that's such a big void on this team right now? Well, the, the thing is, Frank played the position. So, man, the first thing he'll tell you is I'm not speaking for him, but I would guess. Uh, a leader. You're looking for a leader. You're looking for someone that can go in that locker room and help lead men. And as coaches, that what we have to do, of course, be leader of men. And you look for your quarterback to do similar things. So I would say that's number one. At Philly and, and, and got to the Super Bowl and then brought in a veteran and you had to because of necessity. So it's, does it really matter to him or is it, can you get the same out of either side? Uh, it's all about developing. You know, whoever walks through that door, we're going to develop them. So, um, and of course, we just kind of got here, so we hadn't really had a chance to to press play yet. Um, kind of going, doing a lot of different things. So, hadn't started the evaluation process, but I think it's the same throughout the whole league. It's all about developing. As Ellis Williams, Charlotte Observer, we just got done asking Thomas about his uh, beliefs in red zone efficiency, what it takes. The first thing he said was running the football. Everywhere you've gone, as early as last year, Jamal Williams leading the league in rushing touchdowns, you've been able to have successful running teams. Why is that? Run the ball. Number one, no matter what. Um, and then if you go back and look at some of the red zone touchdowns and you look at the off-schedule plays, meaning you have a quarterback that scrambles and make plays, you know, and those are the good ones. So a lot of plays that are being called throughout the league, throughout history, doesn't always work. But you got to have a guy, a quarterback, that can make things happen. So my philosophy, of course, getting down there, running the ball, um, imposing your will, being able to take advantage of what the defense gives you. And um, that's a lot of our thought process within the building. So um, and going back to last year, you saw, of course, that's what we did up there. So I don't think it's going to change. Stu, what did you hear in that? Because there was a lot in there uh, that he kind of, I wouldn't say revealed, but, well, yeah, he revealed a little bit about their philosophy going forward. What did you hear as a running back? Um. I mean, coming from a running back, you know, the last thing you just said there, you know, posing, you know, your will on a defense. Um, so I'm definitely seeing, you know, a coaching staff that um, is committed to being physical um, and, you know, but being leaders of men. <laughs> like, I, I, like, like, just – it just it's it's like music to my ears, right? Because I mean, they're committed to the process, like actually committed to the process is what I'm feeling, like and understanding. There's a difference between having a process and understanding what that process actually looks like, and right. what that is, 
and having a plan for that. These are guys with proven track records that knows what it looks like. So when you hear for for a Panther fan, when you hear, you know, you know, we're going to get a guy in here and develop him. They are committed to actually coaching. They're committed to the process of whoever it is that sits in that seat. I'm going to make him the best player possible. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's the coach's job. Yeah. You know, you're 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 not looking at a guy and saying, "I need you to be great tomorrow." You know, because that's not realistic. Um, and unless you have a guy that's just out out the gate, great tomorrow. Um, but those are a diamond and dozen. And so, and then, you know, the, the quarterback position, um, you know, his, his understanding, even there, like you need a guy that gets it, that understand that knows how to rally the team. They're not looking for guys to just come in and just make all the plays. Like this is a team, team building process. Um, going back to what Reich said earlier, collaboration. Um, you know, this seems like a group of guys that knows how to collaborate, strong with it, strong convictions, not egos, right? And so being sure of what you're saying and holding it true to your heart to where a guy that hears you talk and, and, and a guy that hears you explain things, they can trust it. You know, like it's just like, you know, like, you know, president of a company, president of the United States. Like if you hear a guy with a strong convictions speaking to you, you can believe in that. You can run through a wall for that. Um, so I feel like you're going to get consistency across the board with this whole coaching staff, um, you know, that's sending the same messages, whether it's through special teams whether it's through defense or offense, be physical, know what your job is and just show up. <laughs> you know, like, it sounds too easy. To <laughs> it sounds too easy, but that's, that's, that's where you, that's where you're capable of simplifying the game in that, in that way, because you have a staff that understands that it is simple. <laughs> like we, we've been there, we've all been there before and it's going to be simple because we're not going to come in this building with egos. We're going to be open to collaboration, but we're also going to be very strong in our convictions. You know how when, um, and you would know this too, when an athlete talks about when the game gets slower for them, like the game is going really, really fast because you're still learning the book or whatever it might be, or you're a rookie, everything's all new. But then once the game starts to slow down, like you're able to really focus on your game and, uh, and your technique, what you do. I feel like the coaching staff, this is like the we and we we said last week we weren't gonna name his name anymore. So he who he who shall not be named his coaching staff from uh previous, it felt like it was they the, the game hadn't slowed down. You know, like they were they were still trying to figure it out on the fly. This coaching staff, and from what we've heard from so far, it sounds like the game has slowed down for all of them. Like yeah, they <laughs> like have because they, they have their they're coming in with their philosophies. Right. Right. They're coming in with their experience. They're coming in knowing what they're bringing to the table, right? And so when you get guys that are experienced at that level and the confidence um, that that they've experienced, like you can just get to work. You ain't got to figure nothing out as a coach. Like, hey, look, 
We're running 3-4. This is how we do it. We need this guy. We need a, another edge rusher. We need another D tackle. Like these are the guys that these are the type of guys we're looking for. Hey guys, you're here. This is what you're gonna do. This is what I need you to do. If you can't do it, you're not gonna play. If you like, you know, straight <laughs> up, like, hey, running back, hold on to the ball, hit the gap. Like, you know what I'm saying? Read read the three technique. If the three technique gives you this, go the other way. Like, it ain't nothing to it. It's just yeah. simplify, right? Do like, hey, job. offensive line, don't hold, don't reach, move your feet. Like, <laughs> like I've been there before. We do this. This is what this is what the off this is what the running back needs you to be. This is the landmark, right? That I need you to be at so the running back can make this read on this this exact play, right? If we go if we run in the outside zone, I need you to be on that eight, like and stay on that eight. Yeah. If you're on that eight, he can go either way. If you if you're on that nine, you're making him think that you gotta cut cut it back. You know what I'm saying? So it's a whole different mindset going into this thing because they're ready. The philosophy's there. And just like Coach Reich said, it doesn't matter what the scheme is. These guys, I believe, are just going to be able to do whatever it is that needs to be done. So and that's what I think, too. Like, Rule didn't have that success. And, I, and really a lot of co- college coaches that have made that jump to the NFL don't have that success because they have to figure out not only how to run things in the NFL, but they also have to figure out their players. Figure out what fits best in the NFL because the NFL game is completely different than college. We all know that. And yeah. even even though the offenses are still somewhat the same, there's a huge difference in terms of you know checks at the line of scrimmage and what you see as a, as a quarterback and all that other types of stuff. Like for a coach to make that jump, there's a lot to learn. Where like Stu said, Frank comes in and they're just able to go because they've done it before. They've done it many years. All they've got to do. Is it just their scheme to the players? Exactly. I mean, a question. A question. The question for me or for y'all. Um, if you were a college coach, wouldn't it be hard to get some veteran co- coaches to come and say, "Hey, yeah, I'll coach underneath you, college coach." <laughs> yes. <laughs> it just dawned on me, but like. Like, if I'm coming from college, I'm like, hey, uh, Frank Wright, I need you to be my offensive coordinator. <laughs> hey, Deuce, hey, Deuce uh, like, I'm coming to coach. Um, can you uh, be my uh, assistant coach, head coach? Um, nah, brother. I'm more qualified than you. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think, too, with the previous coaching staff, it was almost a certain arrogance about it that they could, that football is football, like, regardless of the level, and that they could just bring in the thing that, Actually, you know what? I didn't even think we were going to do this today. But yeah, I'm going to tell you why we messed up. I'm going to tell you why we messed The thing that bothered me the most about the previous regime was that they kept bringing in dudes from, like, previous coaching stops. Not guys that were actually really, really good, except for Hassan Reddick. But, like, usually – like it would be, like, guys from Temple or guys from Baylor. that like well, Baylor was a Temple guy, too. Well, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Besides Hassan Reddick, because Reddick has shown that he he is top notch in terms of yeah, that boy, like, that, boy was ga- that boy is straight gasoline, <laughs> boy. He's, 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 he's him. But the rest of the guys they brought in, and they've cleared a lot of those guys out. The Robbie Andersons, and or no, I'm excuse me, Chosen Anderson, because he changed his name legally to Chosen uh, this week. Isn't that Cam Newton's? Yeah, he changed his name to Chosen. Uh, so he, he went from Robbie with a Y to Robbie with an IE to Chosen. <laughs> we'll just we'll we'll leave that there for uh for everyone in the process. But yeah, <laughs> still ain't saying nothing. 
but but no, I mean, all those guys came from those previous stops. It wasn't like they were qualified to be here. It was like more of a comfort zone to be here. And I think they kind of took advantage of that uh, in terms of maybe getting some concessions they normally wouldn't have got as players because they were familiar with these coaches from college. With this, the buck stops with the coaching staff and Frank Wright, like the responsibility, getting these guys in the right spots. I wanted to ask you, Skyler, because you were in the room with Deuce, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, one of our – we have open mailbag, of course, every time we're on. Josh mentioned Deuce had probably the best press conference I've heard. I was super impressed with him. What, what was your thoughts listening to Deuce? And, and you said some of these other guys were going to get to uh, Thomas Brown uh, and uh, Jim Caldwell here in just a bit. But your thoughts just listening to Deuce Staley – uh, at the press conference yesterday. I mean, he had total command of everything. And it looked like a dude that has been there and done that, bought that T-shirt 50 times over. Like, he he knows what he's doing and has conviction with it. And he talked about that with Thomas Brown and how he kind of won over him and, and Frank in the interview process. Well, I mean, hell, I think he, he had strong conviction himself. And I, I think when you just listen to him talk, you hear a future NFL head coach. Like, yeah. and that's yeah. why I heard the constant theme. Like, we had Jim Caldwell on Monday right after Frank. And some of the things that I heard from Jim, now he and, and Deuce weren't saying necessarily the same things, but just how they were answering certain questions. I'm like, damn, that sounds a lot like Jim Caldwell. And I'm like, if you just give Deuce Staley a couple more years, I honestly think he's going to be a head coach. And I honest, and I'll just I'll just put this out there too. What's Frank Reich? 61, 62, something like that. I think so, yeah. I would not be shocked if one of these guys that's on staff would end up coming back around and circling back and being a head coach here after Frank's done. I wouldn't be shocked at all. Maybe it's Deuce. Maybe Deuce moves on, becomes a coordinator at some point, and then he comes back and becomes a head coach. I I, I really think that. I, I love Deuce Staley, and I think uh, Stu. I mean, I'm sure this is probably a guy that. When he says you, he wants you to run through a wall with him. I mean, I, I, I get that feeling right there, and I'm just a guy in the media. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I felt that too. Listening yeah. to him, he, he sounds like a future head coach for sure. Yeah, shoot, I play for him. <laughs> Yo, somebody was in the comments. Somebody was in the comments uh, <laughs> telling, uh, yeah, here it is. Uh, Kevin uh, Fakori says, Stu, you need to work on those hamstrings. Get back in the league. We're going to the playoffs this year. So hey, <laughs> hey man, you know, it's only it's only February, dog. You uh, got a little time. Yeah, I got some time this off season to get back in shape, huh? Get back in football. <laughs> I mean, you, you could at least come back and be like a fullback or something, right? Yeah, red zone. Yeah. You ain't gotta get thirty. You ain't gotta get all them touches. Yeah, yeah. I just need all I need is some goal line carry. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, get some red zone. Yeah, I love yeah, it, man. Uh, <laughs> we're believe in Carolina Panthers podcast, brand new episode. We're going through the coach and staff hires of the Panthers. And uh, just kind of looking down on it as proud fans that they've done this. Uh, nothing's been done yet, but just the names they've assembled for this uh, has been fantastic. Jim Caldwell, senior uh, assistant head coach of the Panthers, uh, had his press conference right after Frank Wright earlier this week. I went and grabbed some uh, video from him. Again, this is all video from uh, Carolina Panthers uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, because it makes sense in a number of different reasons. It, and when you say outside of the relationship with Frank, I think that's one of the, the main reasons. Um, um, you know, a guy who I've worked with, who I know, he knows me, he knows my strengths are, he knows my weaknesses as well, and there are many. Um, um, so that that's a, a huge reason. But then also the organization, as you well know, I had an opportunity to visit with, um, uh, you know, Mr. Tepper and, and Scott and uh, 
the rest of the, the, the crew that were doing the interview process and, and felt a, a really good synergy there as well. Um, so that was also part of it, but the location is great because of the fact that, you know, we've been, uh, most people probably don't know it, but even when we were in National Football League, we kept our home here in North Carolina. Um, so my kids all became fans. My kids are all around these areas and my grandkids are around the area. So it makes a lot of sense in that regard. And plus, I'm excited about the team and, and certainly moving forward. Jim. Real quick before I go back to Jim there, he echoed the same thing I was saying about Steve Wilkes and about Frank Wright about connection to the community here. Um, if I thought it was important, I'm, I feel like David Tepper recognized that that was important too. And you look through the guys they have on the staff. Deuce Daly played at South Carolina, didn't he? He's from this area. Uh, Jim Caldwell coached at Wake Forest. He's lived here going on 15 plus years. His kids are here, like he said. Frank Wright's lived here for over 20 years. It, it's different coming in as an outsider and trying to apply your values of what you think the Carolina Panthers should be than it is for people who have been around the franchise off and on for 26, 27 years. And even if they didn't work here, or maybe they did the first go around in 95, that mentality to me hasn't changed. It's still the same philosophy, even if it's a different owner. But the fan base and, and, and the players that have come before have set that standard. And it didn't make sense to me to just completely abandon that and go to something else. Uh, the, the roots are here. The roots were already here, like franchise-wise. You just need the guys to believe in it and to take it to another level. And I think that's what they've <clears> done uh, with the staff. Um, can, I go, can I go on a rant for a second? Yeah. you are, is it, are you? I'll, I'll tell you why I'm mad. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to tell you why we mad. I'm going to tell you why we mad. Damn, brother. How can you be mad after that press conference? This is why I'm mad. Because guys like Jim Caldwell should be in a head coaching seat right now. And has has not and is a guy that should not have been out of a coaching role since 2019. Mm. Why? He's overly qualified. He clearly wants to keep coaching. And he said in his press conference on Monday that he, he doesn't plan on being a head coach again. That to me is like I, I don't I don't I don't know what the word is, not catastrophic, but it's almost like uh defeating. Defeating, yeah. Yeah. Because this this man should not only be a position coach or a coordinator, he should be a freaking head coach. And yeah. but this is the world we live in with the NFL. We don't give guys that are minorities the opportunity to continue to do what they should be doing. I mean, Eric Bieniemy's the the perfect example of that. I was he just has to prove himself at Washington in a crap situation with a crap offense to prove that he's ready to, to be a head coach. Like, come on. And I don't even we think that's going to be enough. I don't we think that would be enough. No judge that we're a special teams coordinator that never called plays that got head coaching jobs. Like, it, it – but in, in I guess my, uh, my thing with all this is it, it's kind of impressive, though, for Carolina and for Frank Reich to go get a guy as qualified as Jim Caldwell to come in and take the role in the position that he's taking. That's hard to do. That's hard to find. It's almost like they created the roles, like for Dom and for and for Caldwell, because it's almost, at this point in their careers, I don't want to say it's insulting, but it's almost like a, like a step down to make them the offensive coordinator or the defensive yeah. coordinator when they can do so much stuff. It's almost like they create these two special positions. Those positions don't really exist on a lot of other teams. I mean, I, I've tried to think of other scenarios in the NFL, and I just can't think of any. Me, yeah, um, but but it does remind me a little bit of like Pat Riley in the Heat, and mm, like how he moved mm. from 
the head coaching to, to whatever role he kind of had in with the organization, but he was still, he still had a very big influence when he first retired from coaching on kind of the daily things with that roster. That's a, that's a good comparison actually. Cause uh, I think he moved up into the president president slash GM, something like that. So he was basically over the roster and salary cap and things of that sort. But uh, yeah, that's, that's a really good comparison there. Um, I was going to touch on the Eric the stuff a little bit, but uh, I think you, I think you said it all right there. Um, I don't think that, I don't know. I don't know why the enemy, there's something, I don't know what it is. I have no idea. I do know that I want to, a, it's, it's a, it's a tight, it's a tightrope because I don't want to make it seem like uh, just because he's African-American, he deserves to be a head coach. Cause that's, that's not exactly it. But on the other hand, it's weird that he has led the top offense in the NFL to record-breaking numbers over the past five seasons and hasn't gotten a sniff really anywhere. Um, as a head coach, he's interviewed for, what, like seven, eight different positions or whatever and just never made it to the finish line. And to have to to leave Kansas City to go to D.C., like you were just saying, with a, with a vastly different offense, <laughs> uh, it, it's gonna. It's almost like they're setting them up to fail because it, unless yeah. they go out and they have a gangbusters type of season, they're gonna look at it like, oh well, it must have been Andy Reid calling these plays in Kansas City because look at what's happening in, D- in Washington with, with Sam Howell or whatever. Well, that's exactly what they're trying to say, right? They're trying to say, well, it wasn't him; it was Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah, like we we know who Andy Reid is. But, like, you got to give this guy that Andy Reid trusted, at least the trust factor that Andy Reid has in this guy to be in this position, you got to give this guy a chance here. Like, if he's underneath one of the best coaches, like, arguably, like, in the National Football League history, right, like, you got to give this guy a fair chance. Got to give him a fair look. Got to give him a fair opportunity. Like they're not even letting them fail. You like know what they're saying? opportunity. Yeah. And that's where this is this is that's where you know Skylar, that's why you mad. It's because of the opportunity. Yeah, like, I'm gonna tell you why we mad. Son. I'm gonna tell you every, why we mad, son. <clears throat> when you have a resume and you present your resume and it says Super Bowl, <laughs> like on there, <laughs> like that's you should, points you can't get any better. Yeah. Yeah. Like you should just be, you should be walking in the, in the door, like and and having and options. Just drop like, your rings on the table. Like, like, hey, I got a couple rings here. Uh, <laughs> what y'all need me to do with this? Uh, yo, that was the Pat Riley. That was Pat Riley's recruiting trick. Uh, LeBron James said basically the thing that got him when he met with the Heat to talk about going to the Heat. Pat Riley just came in the room, didn't say anything, and just put his rings on the table. And just sat yeah. there across the table from him for like five minutes and didn't say anything. That's <laughs> what I'm like, doing. Like, hey, look, I'm trying to the rings down. Don't, get, don't give me the runaround here. I, right. I can make Stu mad real quick. Oh, oh What's yeah, go ahead. <laughs> what I need to be mad about? Nathaniel Hackett was the offensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers before he took the head coaching job of the Denver Broncos. Do you think Nathaniel Hackett called the plays in Green Bay or was it Lafleur? Oh gosh, yeah. You know, doggone well he ain't calling no plays. Uh, clearly, <laughs> look okay. what happened in Denver. Like if he was calling those, hey, plays, Denver, Denver, Denver boy, he listen. made Adam Gase look amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, so let's talk about Denver right quick. Let's talk about. Yeah, <laughs> Yo, I'm gonna tell you why we mad. I'm gonna tell you why we mad, son. 
I'm gonna go a little different. I'm gonna go this a different path here. I'm tired of people nitpicking Russell Wilson right now. Mm. Uh, every single matter. <clears throat> this whole thing of him asking for Pete Carroll to be fired and the GM to be fired, all that stuff. Man, you want to know what? Just about every quarterback in the National Football League history has asked that same question. At some point in their career, they looked at the coaching staff and said, mm, yeah, he, go. got, he got to go. I'm even if even if it even if that wasn't true, you know what I'm saying? Like, like at some point in your day, you <laughs> like you can be on you can be in a car, you can be in your car, and you got a really nice car. But for some reason, the gas tank is empty. Uh, like, dang, this, this car always got some. Uh, I always got to fill this car up. I need a new car. I need to get me like an electric car. I need to get an electric car, electric vehicle. You're going to always be mad at some point about something that you shouldn't be mad about. Oh right? So, so if he said one day, I want Pete Carroll fired. Well, hey, buddy, I don't know what to tell you. He's not getting fired. Let's not make a let's let's not like make this a scene or or a huge big deal. Like this stuff happens. Like people say things all the time. Like let's not. But what I'm trying to say is like we given we are too hard as it is on our black athletes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Like we like we and and coaches. You know what I'm saying? We already have to go through leaps and bounds and hoops and do a bunch of tricks and backflips to be in position to succeed and to excel. Um, now I'm not saying let's not hold guys to a certain standard. You know what I'm saying? Like let's not cut people's names. Let's not slander people and all those things. But Russell Wilson saying, man, I want coach coach to be fired. Like, if that was through frustration of a season or whatever it is, no one's going to know, okay? So let's not blow smoke. Let's not light a gas. You know what I'm saying? Like, let it go. I'm I mean, tired. I'm tired. Sure, I'm sure why did it take this long? Why did, if he did say it, why did it take people over a just full bo- season? People bored, them? man. They trying to tear this man down. That's yeah, why. That's why I was like, I don't even think he said that. Because if he had, now, he came out immediately. The Denver Broncos still sorry as heck. I don't, I don't care about Denver. I, I do actually want to talk to him. I can't wait to talk to the defensive coordinator uh, about his time in, in Denver. Oh. <laughs> I got that's a lot of questions there. <laughs> I, mean, I was a reporter, Skyler. I'd be in there asking him, like, hey, man, what was all that going on? With uh, the offense last week, last year in Denver, man, y'all was thinking it up. What was going on? What was the real there's, issue? There's your, there's your first question for uh, I mean, next presser, uh, Scott. I mean, I think if you if we're being honest, like it's not even just in the NFL or in football in general, but like you're you're gonna be annoyed and agitated with the people you work with at some point in time. Like you're never just gonna always have this, you know great relationship with somebody like some at some point in time you're gonna get ticked off you're gonna get annoyed whatever 
I mean, Des is probably ticked off that I was 30 minutes late to the show. Sure, I know y'all be mad when I'd be like, hey, what time is it today? No, we, 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 covered all, we covered all that at the very beginning but of the I show. Like, I mean, that's a busy man over there. He's covering, uh, like, five different uh, teams. And <laughs> I was like, he's around. I'll, I'll find him before yeah, we get off. So. That, man really cover, that man is the man probably, coverage. That's right. Screw probably was ticked off at, at, at a coach or a teammate at some point in time, too. But like you said, like, you, you're – you're not going to like throw names out there or anything like that. You're, you're not going to make this big to do about it. Like you're going to have that at some point in time. And I guarantee you, well, I shouldn't say I guarantee it, but I I'd be willing to bet that at some point in time throughout Stu's career, he probably didn't see eye to eye with his position coach or his coordinator or head coach. Oh, yeah. And there's probably a lot of discussions that happened that was probably tense. If I just had to guess. I'm just probably worked it out. Who did he tell? Like the Sierra break this? Like who 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 would have told that he wanted them? Like who who else would have known? And then sat on it for twelve months, and then when the season was over, like oh, you know, he wanted to get Pete Carroll fired. Like it didn't make any sense to me, but I, I don't know. I, all I know in the end, uh, you know what? It, all I, I know like, is snitches get stitches. <laughs> <laughs> is, is it just me, or does it seem like these guys, these high profile names that have these? camps or their teams you know what i mean like there's team three or whatever it is yeah it almost seems like there's something coming out positive or negative and it's like blown to the masses because they want so much publicity where there's other guys that may do great charity work or do stuff in the community that doesn't get talked about or maybe there's some small thing that happens but it gets blown over because they don't have these teams or camps these guys that have teams or camps, like I think that's all they do is crave this publicity. Yeah. Somebody seems not necessarily off. Russ, but his team camp. or camp is so the like one. All, all publicity is good publicity type of mindset, right. is what, what you're saying. Say. Yeah. But in today's society, <laughs> especially too, it's all about clickbait, you know, uh, views, that kind of stuff. Um, so you try to put out stuff. I see things all the time where it's like someone will put out like a, uh, uh, like a title or whatever for the article and it's so misleading to when you click it and you go in there it has nothing to do with whatever it was the title was and you're just like they got me you know like it, it, it's like got yeah. type thing it's like how many times can i get somebody to click oh on this? guess what guess what rihanna said to yeah <laughs> brady after the super bowl and then you get in the article and it's like she said hello or something like that and you're just like what like i mean literally yeah. it, it just goes it's all over the place um, yeah. We did have one more video from uh, Carolina Panthers uh, press conferences from this past week. Shout out to everybody that stopped in uh, to see us again. I know this was uh, a little bit of a, a mini vacation. We weren't on the beginning of the week. We wanted to get all of the, the different coaches uh, a chance to speak so we could use that audio uh, in this broadcast. I don't know when the next new one's going to be. Probably maybe early next week, midweek. I, I don't know. We'll figure it out. But if you need to uh, plan ahead – Subscribe to uh, youtube.com forward slash at Tobacco Road Sports Radio. When we do decide which one's going to be the new uh, episode, it'll pop up and you can actually hit the button so that it'll pop up for you when we actually go live. Um, this is uh, new offensive coordinator Thomas Brown uh, outlining basically his, uh, his offensive philosophy uh, for the team or for the offense. Uh, it's funny because my, my interview started with – Identity-wise, as far as the offense goes, and philosophy-wise, so identity-wise, I kind of broke it down into three points. Uh, first is about being being physical at all eleven positions. That for myself, and it's, it's awful to staff. It's really kind of a non-negotiable when it comes to our approach, our attack to the game. Uh, number two was uh, a team that would not beat themselves, because oftentimes, as we know, more games are lost than they are won. So turnovers, eliminating the penalties, 
and, and also uh, doing a really good job of understanding how to uh, have great clarity so we don't have missed assignments on offense. And then lastly, it was about identified on our offense, the playmakers, right? Find, exploit, and win in matchups. That's kind of identity-wise. But philosophy-wise, would you ask me, I kind of break it down as far as uh, number one is the ball is the issue. So taking great care of the football, that's the ball carries, the offensive line being involved up front, the tailback from a play, uh, play pass protection standpoint, also receivers being where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there as far as route distribution goes. Uh, number two is everything starts up front. That physical mentality again, uh, how we're kind of building up what those guys did last year, camping that crew, uh, did a really good job of setting, setting the tone mentality-wise, and everything kind of builds off of that system as far as the keepers, the play pass, and obviously the drop back game as well. Uh, number three, we end up being they're losing enough complexity. So marrying the run the pass, uh, trying to create chaos for the defense by keeping it simple for us is a thought process we have as an offensive staff. Uh, and then being able to do a really good job of pick and choose your spots uh, to attack with tempo. So you got to earn the right to use tempo with early down efficiency. And finally, just that fifth point, it is uh, situational masters. So third down first, where stars first, winning first and second down, so you can be in third and manageables. Uh, with two minutes into the half, into the game, as well as scoring points in the red zone, so touchdowns in the red zone, as well as game plan and forming the offense. Boy, he said a whole lot of good stuff uh, in there, like a whole lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... Hater man, hater man. Just give him his oh, money. We did. Oh, we did. <laughs> I mean, he said all the stuff we've been wanting to hear coaches say for the past three years, like basic fundamental football. It's refreshing to hear it from a dude as young as he is, uh, for starters. Uh, he sounds like a guy that's going to be a head coach in the next mm, two <laughs> years. That's our timeline. That's our timeline, though. You got to think of the other timeline. He's got to prove himself. Remember, you got to call yeah. play. Yeah. So we may, we may have the fortunes of having him for five years. That's a good point because uh, I didn't clip that part, but Frank Wright did mention that in the beginning he was going to still call the plays, but that eventually would get turned over to Thomas Brown. I don't know how that's going to work with Wright, Thomas Brown, Jim Caldwell, all kind of like there. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be some kind of hierarchy of like who does what, but I'd be curious to see when – uh brown takes over the play calling or how much brown influences reich's play calling maybe i should put it that way uh yeah. what are your thoughts I, on that i wouldn't if things are going well to start the year i mean i don't think they would change i mean if it's not yeah. broke don't fix it so that may be if, if that's the case and things start out really good and say the team's like five and two through seven games i would say probably expect frank to call plays all year and then maybe go into the offseason saying all right you're going to get the chance to run it in spring. When we get the preseason, you'll have it. And then if we like it, we'll run with you. So, but if maybe things are a little stagnant or it's just kind of middling, then maybe they do. But then again, do you really want to switch everything in the middle of the season while you're trying to figure things out? So to me, that's why I feel like if he doesn't have the confidence to give up the play calling before the season, I don't really know how you change during the middle of the season. Like, I mean, that's just me. I mean, maybe he does, but I think it's more of a 2024 thing than a 23 thing. That that would make some sense. And then plus, all of them sound on the same page, though, so it might not matter who's calling yeah. the plays. You know, like if the philosophy is the same top to bottom, both sides of the ball, all of them are saying the same things. They're, they're going to run the football. Uh, they're going to play smart defense, turn the ball over, not turn it over on our side. Uh, 
every 11 all 11 men physical like they're all saying the same things pretty much which is unique because usually don't have a coaching staff where everybody is on the same page coming in like right off the top um that's the part to me that's the most appealing let me let me put it this way let me end it like this let me ask you this question did the panthers go from one of the worst coaching staffs in the league to one of the best coaching staffs in the league in like a 45 day period because I'm having a hard time looking at the staff and going, this ain't a top ten staff. Like this might be a top five staff. Like in the no, league right I mean, now, this is a top two staff staff to me, and they're not number two. Mm. And I'm yeah. I'm being bold with that. I th- I think they're number one staff in the in the National Football League staff. Now they got to get the, like, the roster. They got to put the roster together. We'll get to that. But <laughs> we'll get to the, we have off season to get to that right. So, yeah. but th- this is the best staff in the National Football League out the gate and everything that the OC just said, man, the ball is the issue, man. Put that, put that on a piece of paper, put it on on, a t-shirt, on a (laughs) t-shirt, on a a car tag, a bumper sticker, whatever it is. The ball is the issue. Okay. Be physical, right? Uh, The complexity, like simplicity but com- complex, if that makes any sense, what mm-hmm. you said. Like, you're putting the defense in a complex situation by feeling the pressure through simplicity, which means they're going to figure out what they're good at, and they're going to be really, really good at it, <laughs> okay? And so, and then the attention to details where he was saying, you know, the route running, that, that, that whole – Thing, guys need to be where they're going to be. If they're not there, you ain't getting the ball. Like yeah. the the like the the integrity piece to this. Like guys are going to be held accountable. Like you got coaches. I mean, you got senior coaches with the with the OCs and the DCs. You got to answer to somebody. Okay, on Monday when that film come on, answer. I need answers. Why weren't you there? They okay. have it set up where, like, if something goes wrong, the, the the guy, whoever was in that position, has someone above him he can look up to, not as yeah. a boss, but as a mentor. Like, mentor, like hey, why did this not work? Ba- it just checks and balances. Yes, like, checks and balances. And so, like, you as a – like, it just it – just, it's just beautiful. From the custodian to the cook <laughs> to the training staff, like, everyone's, everyone's going to know their role and they're going to be like, okay – I'm gonna cook this omelet like I ain't got no like I'm like this is the last omelet I'm cooking today. <laughs> I'm gonna take this trash out like this is the last trash I'm taking out today because I know my job matters to the guy that I'm do- that I'm helping. You know what I'm saying? It's like, all connected. It, it's all okay. connected because you trust and you believe in the guy that you're doing it for. You know what right. I get out of the staff too is there's a very high level of accountability. Yeah, and I don't know that that exists in this last staff. No. Steve was, was definitely <laughs> a guy that that held people accountable. I don't yeah, think we. That, I think that might be one of the the, the, the switching elements mm-hmm. that yeah. ha, that took place through the season last year under the Wilkes was the accountability piece. Yes, yes. Yeah. Now you're gonna have you're gonna have go from just having Steve to now you're gonna have Steve or not not Steve. Sorry, you're gonna have go from having Steve to having Deuce Thomas Brown. You know, James Camp and I think can hold people or holds people accountable. I mean, that entire staff. 
but especially on the offensive side, Deuce and Thomas, that that those two combined, yeah. those dudes aren't gonna let anything slide. <laughs> like yeah. they're hey, this hey, is a hey. different approach. You were supposed Imagine. to pick up the will on that last play, huh? <laughs> All right. I just make a show because you didn't pick him up. <laughs> you know, so, so, you know something that popped in my head that I've never thought would a Carolina Panthers team ever, 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 ever. I want to see this team on hard knocks, mm. like now because of the staff. Like I want to see them on the preseason hard knocks because usually it's like a bad, uh, it's like bad luck or whatever to be on uh, hard knocks, isn't it? Usually you don't make the playoffs or something if you're on hard knocks or something to that effect. And the lines uh, are pretty damn close this year. Yeah, yeah, they didn't yeah. make it, so we don't need hard knocks. Uh, right? <laughs> and then they did the end season one too. Was that the Cardinals they were doing it with? I, I can't remember which one it was, or the Colts. Uh, somebody. No, nah, we need it. We need everything behind closed doors. We don't need nobody seeing what's going on. <laughs> but and then also too, and I'll end it with this. This is going to be the funnest free agent draft off season that the Panthers have had for the fan base in a long time. Because when once free agency opens up and they can start signing guys, we're going to just start getting names like they're just gonna start peppering in positions of things that they needed to fill and i think it's easier now because again these guys these players are gonna want to come play for frank wright or play for deuce staley or play for jim caldwell or whoever they've played with them before maybe or or they know what they're gonna bring to the table and you got an owner and david tepper who's the second richest in the league like the whole thing sets up where it's like it doesn't sound crazy anymore to be like the panthers can be a super bowl contender in the next i don't know they're yeah. sleeping. Yeah. I mean, they really are. The whole situation sets up perfectly for them with the division and everything. We talked about it numerous times, but like, I think for Panthers fans, they really need to just sit back and enjoy this situation because of the rock star coaching staff that they have. They've got an owner who, although hasn't probably been the most popular within the fan base, he is a guy that is determined to win football games and win championships. And I think he's going to. And yeah. when you go into this offseason, we're looking at free agency starts here in a couple of weeks. I mean, you gotta you gotta feel excited because it's almost like Christmas where you know you're getting something good. You just have no idea what you're about to unwrap. And I, I think with this this free agency, this draft, there's gonna be a lot of really cool gifts this year. We do need to address that too. Uh the whole David Tepper versus the fan base thing. Cause I've been seeing people on Twitter, basically saying, you know, we strong arm David Tepper into making the right decisions or whatever. No, you didn't. The man's worth $17 billion. He knew what he was going to do when he said he's going to do it. Like, he literally told us, this is what I want. I messed up. That was the first thing that got me respect for, for, for David Tepper, him admitting that he messed up hiring the previous regime and having the power structure set up the way it was. Think about it. You had a, a first-time owner that really had never had that kind of control before that had never had to, to figure it out. You had a, an owner trying to figure it out and a head coach trying to figure out how to do it at this level. And that's what the results were the last two, two plus years. Mm-hmm. Now you've got an owner and a, that understands the, the mistakes he made and you've got one of the most experienced coaching staffs in the NFL, maybe the most experienced. And, none, and no, nobody on the coaching staff, Frank Ryder, whoever, has the same power as Scott Fitter. Like it's it's clearly established that Scott Fitter is running this show. Like he he is in hand in hand with Wright helping him, you know, pick these guys out. But even Wright's, you know, he's deferring to uh, to Fitter when it comes to roster questions or what we're gonna do in the draft or that kind of thing. It feels like it's David Tepper, Scott Fitterer, Frank Wright, and then you've got your assistants and everything else. And there's a clear hierarchy of like where people where the buck stops at. 
that's the the accountability we hadn't had the past couple of years, and that's what gets me the most excited about this this uh, franchise going forward. Um, any last words, guys? Because uh, honestly, with it being Friday, we might just come back next Friday. Because uh, I don't know what's going to happen between now and the end of next week. Because free agency doesn't start for a couple of weeks, so um, we we might just wait a week and come back at the end of next week. Uh, and next any last week uh, is uh, combine. Oh, that's right. So uh, underwear day, underwear week. We'll just watch dudes in underwear run around for <laughs> a couple days and get all excited and, and project their Hall of Fame careers off of their their forty yard uh, uh, dash well, times. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we need to, to get to. We covered all the staff. That's really it. Uh, we got combine coming, free agency coming. Brandon right Rogers going. Home? <laughs> nah, he wants to make fifty-eight million dollars. He ain't going home. Green Bay. He does this every year. He does this every year. Yeah, going to Green Bay. Like, who else gonna put up with this? Like every year, except for the Jets. The Jets probably would put up with it. But watch Tampa like come out of nowhere. <sighs> oh no! Don't put that in existence because that because you know they said the other day that they were gonna ride with. Uh, I'll trash. I'll trash. Yeah. And I was like, that don't sound right at all. That don't sound like what y'all are going to do. Like, why'd you even say that out loud? <laughs> so Aaron Rodgers. That'd be, messed up, that'd be messed up if they said that and they went and got Aaron Rodgers too. <laughs> That's exactly what they're going to do. If what about I'm, Lamar I'm, Jackson? What about Lamar Jackson? Where is he going to be? He'll be back to Baltimore. I don't see Lamar. I mean, it's just weird. Like, they got to figure out a way, though, because they offered him 130 mil. Now he wants 240 mil. That's a whole jump. That's a That's big, a big jump. Man, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if they ain't got that in their pockets. Then they got to figure it out. Like, I, I heard. Giving, start giving, think, give, giving people away. I think Stephen A said <laughs> on a first take today that he had, had a source inside the building that said that Lamar Jackson has not asked for a fully guaranteed contract. If that's the case, that's fine. But you're still asking for like Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers money, I assume. Yeah. And he doesn't have an agent. So this could drag on forever. Like, I don't know. I don't know for sure he's going to be back in Baltimore. Um, and I don't know. I was on the Lamar Jackson to Carolina train like a couple weeks back. I'm off of it now. I'm just like, ah, I don't know if I want to spend $100 what if, what if he go to, what if Baltimore and Green Bay? Do a little swappy swap. What Aaron Rodgers for Lamar Jackson? That would look so weird. <laughs> that would be crazy. <laughs> I mean, Lamar and Green Bay. On the and cash run, you kind of really. It would be a. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is scheduled to make fifty-eight million dollars to play uh, football next year. So yeah, this whole every day first take, get up, all these morning shows. It's the same show. Is Aaron Rodgers going to play football? Is Aaron Rodgers going to play football? Didn't he want to not be compared to Brett Favre? Like, because it's the yeah. same thing Brett Favre did. Like, literally, he's following the same path. I want to know. I want to know what the, has, has anyone talked about? Has he talked about his four day retreat in the dark? The, yeah. the darkness retreat. Yeah. I saw pictures online. It looked like a. Uh, I kind of want to do like that. A, like a bed bath. <laughs> <laughs> it like a like a uh, like an Airbnb kind of like, but like underneath a hill or something. But he had like electricity. Go to sleep games. for a couple. Go to yeah. sleep for a couple hours, a couple Meditate, days. Get a little light. You know, you know one place that I would love to see Lamar at? Tennessee. Him with Derrick Henry. Woo-hoo! Don't say that. 
Yeah, that's, that's even. Put, don't you even put that in the universe? <laughs> that's, that's, too, that's, that's too dangerous. That sounds too like dangerous. That's too well, too. If he gets put, if he gets put Ooh. out on the market, we've never seen a, 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 oh my a God. former MVP quarterback at the age that he's at in free agency. It just never happens. Like teams don't let these guys go. That's why I'm Skyler, like, you just created, go. you just created a villain. <laughs> <laughs> you just created a villain duo, Lamar Jackson, oh, and Derek God. Henry. Yeah, that would be. You ain't stopping that. Uh, no, no, no. On RPO? Oh, oh my God. God. I'm more worried about him coming to the NFC South, like Atlanta, because I keep seeing him uh, tied to Atlanta yeah. for some reason, uh, and I don't know what Atlanta's doing. If I'm the Tennessee Titans, like, let him please be free. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, going, I'm, throwing every, I'm throwing the kitchen sink. $300 million for okay. Jackson. Come hey, in. come on down, <laughs> sir. Hey, sorry, buddy. You got to go. You too. Oh, you gotta go. You got pack your bags up and go. Two-man <laughs> two offense, and it'll just be like, "Well, how do we stop this? Man, um, how do we stop this too? Uh, we, we'll, maybe next week we'll do quarterback musical chairs because none of this is gonna get resolved between now and next Friday. And you still, Derek Carr still out there. Uh, his brother was a uh, former Carolina Panther quarterback. Uh, David Carr was saying it's gonna be a long process. Is David uh, not David? Is uh, is Derek Carr in the mix for Carolina? Because it sounded like they were – some of the comments Deuce was saying in the clip that I had, he was kind of relaying what they want in a quarterback. It sounds like they want a mobile guy, like a mobile yeah, – a guy that can scramble uh, when it's – old school, I used to hate uh, Russell Wilson. It'd be third and 13. He's running around in the backfield, and then he just chucks one to, to lock it or somebody for like 14 yards and moves the sticks. And you're just like – I can't believe they just converted that again. Like that kind of not necessarily Lamar calling run plays for the quarterback, but more like Mahomes being able to elude Navigate. defenders, yeah. play, play on your feet kind of guy. Cause that seems to be where the, the, the league is going. Um, look at the quarter. Look at the Super Bowl we just had with the two quarterbacks in it. Like it's, it's that thing. I don't know if any quarterbacks in this draft fit that except, for, well, Stroud mate. Well, he didn't really play like that. Until Levis, Levis Richardson are probably your best runners, but yeah, yeah Richardson uh, and Levis. Yeah, I, I Richardson do not had that little that that punt fake that's been all over the internet. That was nice. Yeah, we'll we'll get into. So we got vet quarterbacks that are going to be out in free agency. We got uh, quarterbacks that'll be in the draft because clearly they're going to do something at quarterback probably with this number with this pick that they've got, or or they're going to do something with it. I didn't even ask you guys if they should trade in Chicago for Justin Fields. We'll just save that for next week and just put that. And what we not what we not going to do? I'm mad about this. Before we get out, yeah, I'm gonna tell you why we mad. Son. I'm gonna tell you why we mad. Son. What we not going to do for the remainder of my football talking life? <laughs> <laughs> Is compare <laughs> anyone to Cam Newton. Nah. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. There's yeah. only one Cam Newton, and he's probably somewhere in Georgia right now, hanging up. But I saw he's doing so, a seven on seven tournament or something, so, yes, or yeah. building a team or something like that. Uh, yeah, Anthony yeah. Richardson is not Cam Newton. Uh, yeah, for those listen, who want to people him. stop doing that. He's Cam Newton. Out the gate, we knew Cam Newton was special. Okay, so right now everyone wants to compare people to him if you got questions about that person that you compare it ain't it <laughs> okay hey, he's, kind, he's kind of like this no nah, he's not no nah, like no nah. he really <laughs> he's not i'll he's not. y'all my comparison for him i'll share that 
next week. Okay, there you go. So so next week we're gonna get into the quarterback stuff. Then uh, we'll we'll talk. Uh, we'll we'll start off with uh, the potential rookie quarterbacks that are there, and then maybe the following week because by then we'll be closer to free agency. We can talk the veteran quarterbacks are out there, figure out which one's a better move. Cause I'm off and on on Anthony Richardson. Like I didn't realize he only completed like 53% of his <laughs> passes last year or whatever at Florida. So like it comes and goes, it's weird when you see it on Twitter and you see a 10 second clip of him doing one play, but you don't get to see the other 58 plays that happened in that game uh, that might've given you a different uh, opinion of <laughs> said quarterback. I'll, I'll, say, I'll just give you a little uh, cliffhanger for next week. When I texted the group, my comparison for uh, Anthony Richardson, Desmond's response was due. So <laughs> just to let you know how that's going to go. I got to go back in here now because I'm trying to remember <laughs> who you said. Because I uh, – yeah. Bobby Wagner. I like Bob, I like Bobby Wagner on D. We, that would be mm. a nice addition. Put him up there with Shaq. And, uh, yeah, we got a lot of discuss because they're, they're going to have to do something with Shaq probably – uh, in terms of uh, hopefully extending him so he can, you know, stay. They've Some of these coaches have mentioned him by name that he would work well on this defense coming up. So um, that's there too. So we got a lot still to get to. Uh, I think uh, we probably be back. Does this work better for you guys later in the week, right? And since we're in this part of the, the season, is it better to do this on a Tip. Thursday or Friday? Tip. Yeah. Stu, same for you. Better yes. to do it kind of towards the end. So we'll just start doing them on Fridays here in the off season. Um, and then uh, as we get closer back to, you know, the season or whatever, we'll go back to our regular, you know, uh, format we had before. But um, catch us, I guess, next Friday, probably be right around lunchtime, like before, around 1130. Um, and go to uh, go to Bet Online. Use that promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your welcome bonus. Uh, Bet Online, where the game starts. I'm Desmond Johnson. That's Skylar Callahan. That's Jonathan Stewart. Uh, this is the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast here on Believe Podcast Networks. We will be back next week with a brand new episode. Keep at it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.